0: I recently spoke to a business owner that said, you know what, they're going to carry my dead body out of here. And what I want my family to do with this business is liquidate it. Well, to that business owner, I got a big surprise for you today. So we have on the show, Matt Gallivan of Gallivan Auctioneers and Appraisers. And what we're going to talk about is if that's your exit strategy that you want to ride the ship down and when it's over, it's over and liquidate the equipment, perfect. That, that is a fine strategy as long as you, that is a conscious strategy as opposed to something that you're going to spring on everyone after you're gone. So I hope you enjoy my conversation with Matt Caliban. Please welcome. Please welcome. Welcome.
1: This is another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast, a podcast where we talk about what makes a business valuable, learn the tips and tactics to increase your company's value that only veteran dealmakers know. And now, here's your host, Ed Misogland.
0: I'm your host, Ed Meisigland. I teach business owners how to build value and identify and remove risks in their business so that one day they can sell their business when they want, how they want, and to whom they want. So on today's show, I'm really excited. Uh, I'm excited to welcome Matt Galavan of Galavan Auctioneers and Appraisers. Welcome to the show, Matt. Well, it's great to be here, Ed. I've been looking forward to visiting. So so tell us a little bit about Matt and what Matt and Galavan are up to. Well, Matt and Galavan are very busy
1: right now. Everything from appraisal to real estate, to liquidation, to going out of business sales, to one-off pieces of miscellaneous equipment down in central Florida. We're running, I think, in five states right
0: now, currently, on different jobs, and they just keep stacking up. I've been in the industry long enough that... I started with your dad and now you're in it. So now you've had your own little succession plan, but I know your dad's still active. So tell us about how that all happened.
1: Well, that was back in twenty eighteen. you know, Norm and I had talked about what what he wanted to do and you know, what I wanted to do with the future, my future personally, as well as the future of the business as he was getting older and he had moved down to Florida. We opened an office down in Florida where he imagined himself, semi my retiring, which turned out to be the complete opposite. I think he's working more now down in Florida, but it's where he wanted to be. And that's worked out great. So we, you know, we discussed moving from his reign to mine. And back in 2018, we finally put it all on paper and got it all figured out and I bought the company, and we've been running strong ever since. Obviously, my father has a lot more knowledge than I do. He's been in the. He started his business in '91 after working with another auction company for a couple of years out of uh, Western New York, and he went through the '90s, and the, the early 2000s. I came on full time, and so it was 2001 or 2002 after I moved out here from Western New York. We haven't always seen eye to eye on how <laughs> how the how the company should be run and how business is done, and times have changed from back then where if you had a cell phone it was amazing to now, especially in our world, people would rather bid from their home or their office on their cell phone from 800 miles away instead of going to a live auction. And luckily for me, he's always always wanted to be on the the, the top of the technology, so getting him to transfer and do a lot of, you know, more online things and online advertising as opposed to print has actually gone a lot smoother, but you know, it, he, he's looking to retire and I don't blame him. Uh, he deserves it. He's put it, he's put his time in his, his blood, sweat and tears into the business to build it to where it is. And now it's my turn to, to keep running it.
0: Yeah. Well, I think a lot of, a lot of kids fight that same battle with their parents, especially in a business in which the technology the kid has more technological skills than, than than the parents. So
1: Yeah, like I said, but that luckily for me that that was pretty easy dealing with Norm on that. He <laughs> like I said, he likes the he likes the new stuff. So I got lucky. Yeah. That <laughs> I, I didn't really have to fight him on it.
0: Do you have brothers and sisters in the business too?
1: Uh no, I have I have a sister who lives uh, here in Indianapolis, but she's never had a desire to be in the business ever since I can remember she always wanted to be a school teacher so that's her. what she did bless her heart i i cannot imagine doing her job
0: <laughs> i hear you when i told uh i told a couple of people that i was going to interview you and and one of the the first question out of their mouth is explain the chant what's that origin why is it used and what's its purpose
1: and and i'll uh, i'll start by kind of saying that Sadly, the chant is dying in a lot of industries with all the technology and the changes going to more online sales. We still do live sales, you know, where where you do have to have your auctioneer and your chant. But a lot, of, a lot, of, a lot of that's changing. Uh, a lot of like the world of tobacco farm cattle um, or tobacco auctions, cattle auctions, auto auction. Those are some of the best channels you will ever find because those are those are things that people still want to see. You want to look the fear in the eyes when you're bidding on it. You want to stand in front of the car when you're bidding on it. What I love about the chant is it it excites people. You are not just standing there going 500, 500, 510, 510, 520.
0: How boring would that be to listen to
1: for six hours?
0: (laughs) No, you're Um, That makes sense.
1: It gives you the ability to to pump excitement in, in into a sale. You get people, you know, going. It, it helps create competition, and it also helps your auctioneer just be able to continue to move along and True. speed things up because oh, otherwise makes, these sales would go on for twelve hours.
0: No, that that makes that totally makes sense. I, I didn't I didn't think of it as a speed thing, but that totally makes sense. There's different types of auctions now. Do you offer every kind of auction? Available? I have the English auction, the absolute auction. Obviously, you talked about the online auction, sealed bid with blind bids, and then sealed bid second place. I mean, do you do all that? (laughs) We do a, a wide variety
1: of auctions from strictly live to live with a live online webcast. So you can come to the auction, bid at the auction, or you can sit 10 states away in your office and bid on your computer in real time while we're selling at the auction.
0: Well, now, how do you do um, that? I mean, how does that do- technology work? I mean, do you have a videographer that's, that's running? How does that work?
1: No, we use, uh, we use software that allows the people online to see pictures of what we're bidding on, the description, the current price, the asking price, just like if you were there listening, and they'll also get audio. So if you if you wanna to listen to it, you can listen to the auctioneer chant. Sometimes when you're not there, it's a little easier just to watch the numbers change on your screen and make a decision whether you wanna jump in or not. We've been using it, we were real early on, my father, what, like I said, he's always really been at the at, at the forefront of the technology changes. So when this became an option, he jumped right on it and we've been doing it ever since and obviously it's grown and grown and grown throughout the years. Um, as you know, every, everyone now has a, a smartphone and they have a, a laptop and a desktop and the ability to do it is, is there, but there are still a lot of your guys in gals that want to touch it. They want to see it. They want to stand in front of it while they're buying it. They want to look at the auctioneer. They want to look at the person that they're bidding against. So it kind of gives everybody the ability to participate. So say say we're in Louisville and we're selling a machine shop, you know, lathes and turret punches and things like that. And there's a guy in California whose company needs one piece. It may be a forty thousand dollar piece of equipment. But that's all he wants. Is he gonna fly out to the sale, spend spend, you know, plane tickets, food, hotel, rental car to go and when he gets that forty thousand, he's done, but there's someone who who's gonna buy it for fifty thousand. He just wasted two days and money Not to to go home empty-handed, whereas now with the online only or the mix of live and online, they have the ability that if it hits forty forty thousand and fifty dollars, they turn their computer off or click over to Facebook or whatever they want to do. They don't have to worry about catching a plane and spending more money. So it really gives more people the ability to participate. Which is great for our sellers. It's great for buyers because they have they have more more chances to bid, uh, and it's great for us. Obviously, at the end of the day, so we have we have more participation and higher sales prices.
0: Yeah. So these different types of of auctions. So the English auction is what everybody's familiar with. The one, and I'm assuming that's the one you do the most.
1: It used to be your quote unquote English auction is your your live auction. The one that everyone knows, if you've ever seen or heard of auctions, you that that's what you think of. Now, those auctions are always considered to be with reserve. Say we're selling a hundred pieces for a company, they're liquidating, as but they have they've been given offers on two pieces that are pretty good offers, but they would like to see if the auction will bring more. So what you do is you put a reserve on it now reserves are sometimes advertised they don't have to be advertised but as long as your auction is not advertised as absolute or without reserve you have the ability to not sell something due to the sale price that's all dealt with ahead of time in our contract so you know the auctioneer knows that if this piece doesn't hit 50,000 it's not going to sell it also works in a case where say you you owe the bank for all your equipment except for one forklift and you owe twenty thousand on that forklift, but it's worth forty thousand. We'll take it to auction knowing that it has to bring more than is owed on it to sell. That's your reserve. All auctions are reserve unless advertised
0: absolute. So I don't understand like the sealed bid auction. So there's two different kinds. And and I'm trying to figure out where you fit in with this. So you have a an auction is that for like when you're when you're buying an entire closed entity or I don't understand the point of the auctioneer, the auctioneer's involvement other than perhaps the marketing and exposure that you could probably bring to it.
1: Well, technically, especially in Indiana, if you call it an auction, you better have an auction company license <laughs> than an auctioneer license. Sure, <laughs> right. That's one part where we come into play. Um, the other part is auctioneers are more than just the champ. What I always tell people is we are marketers and advertisers that just happen to do auctions because, because at the end of the day, my job is to bring people in to spend their money. And if, if I don't do that, that auction fails, whether I'm the one big calling or someone who's never big called before has done it. Our job is to facilitate start to finish, sign contract to check in your mailbox that that is the job of the auctioneer. We have to properly advertise, put together a package. And you you know how that goes. Sure. That's what you guys do. Right. You know, if you don't if you don't put if you don't put the package together, you don't put all the information out, you don't get it in front of people, the person who you're selling for should have just done it themselves.
0: Right. Nope, you're exactly right. That's why they bring us in. Over the years, I mean, I can't even fathom how many pieces of equipment, different situations. How do you value and position appropriately with all of that? You know, it's one thing to value a company and say, all right, you know, based on the earnings and revenue and industry and so on and so forth. I mean, I don't want to say it's easy, but it's fairly straightforward versus I have a million different pieces of equipment that I'm trying to find uh, data for.
1: And every scenario is different. And that's one of the reasons I love this business. One day we're appraising old Italian sports cars. The next day we're in manufacturing plants, doing lathes, mills, press brakes, whatever. The next, the next day we're doing farm equipment up in Wisconsin. It's ever changing. And it's what keeps it exciting. Now, to your question of how do you do something different every day, the answer is you gain knowledge for every job you've done. We, there's very few things that we haven't touched. Now there are certain industries that we will that that are very specific. Um, aircraft is one of them. You know, if you if you're dealing with certain certain types of manufacturing that are very specific, and there may only be four other companies in the world that do it. Helicopters, uh, large watercraft—you know—that are very specific to a purpose. There are people out there, both appraisers and auctioneers, that that's what they specialize in. When you get to that point, you do reach out. The auction world is m- mostly friendly, <laughs> so when you get into those scenarios, yeah, you reach out, you partner with people, you just talk with them, you bring in—you know—their appraisers to help you. But in general metalworking, woodworking, construction, restaurants, you know, bottling facilities, tech centers. They're pretty straightforward both to value as well as to liquidate. Anybody can pull up on Google, type in a a Mitsubishi or a cat, 246 c and it'll pull up a hundred prices for you. You know, when you're valuing items, when we go to auction, you're looking at the condition of it the the hours on it the mileage on vehicles you know the wear and tear has it has it, has this truck showed back hose its entire life and you you do your research based on a lot more points than what most people think that's the valuing side on on the selling side we build a marketing plan for every job from the beginning of the job, they're always different. We don't reuse them. We get we buy new lists. You know, every time. Um, if you're doing mailings, if you're doing email blasts, we 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 take new lists. You do you use different publications depending on what type of equipment you're selling. That's the main job of an
0: auctioneer. Like when we first started in our pregame chat, I, I've talked to a number of of older business owners that say, you know what, they're going to carry my dead body out of here. Yeah, that's their strategy for for selling their company. Whenever that may be. And so, do you see that as a legitimate exit strategy?
1: Um, I would not say it's the best, but there are some people who have owned their business for 40 years and they built it from nothing to what it is and God bless them if they want to run that strategy and hope that it that they can turn they can either turn it around, make it profitable and sell it or Turn it around and keep it around long enough for their kids to take take it over and try and deal with you know the negative bank accounts and the loans and all that. It's a viable option. I don't think it's a very good one, though.
0: Yeah, me me either. The funny thing is that I guess from the standpoint of you know if you want to run it for as long as you can and at the time of your death your your family knows call Matt and and away we go. Well, okay that. That that's a viable strategy. So long as all parties understand that that's the strategy that you're going to go under, as opposed to health starts deteriorating. Next thing you know, you know, I need a premium for my business. I know I haven't been running it properly and have been milking it, you know, down, you know, as, as uh, the trajectory is pointed down. I think it's okay so long as everyone understands that that's the path you're taking and that's the path you want. And God bless you if that's the, that's it. And that's fine. One of the things I wanted to ask you is, what is your process? I come, I'm a business owner. Ed refers you over to Matt. You pick up the phone, take me through the process to the time I get a check.
1: First off, I want to know what your business is and what the situation is. Did you, were you given the business when you're, when when your your parents died, were you were you the owner that you started it, and you are you you have no children to give it to, and it's in trouble or it's doing great?
0: All right, stop there. You just so why why do you need the situation? What point is that?
1: Because as much as I love doing auctions and I like selling everything piece by piece, it's not always the best option for my sellers, and I will I'll be the first one to tell you that up front. If your company is making money, and you are you know seventy years old, and you you just want to get out of it. And you come to me and say, I just want I just want to auction everything. And I you know I I ask you, company still running? Is it doing good? And they go, oh, yeah, the company's doing great. I'm just I'm done. I have my money. I want to sell it, get the rest of my money, and I'm retired. And I go, well, you can always sell. You can always auction it. You can always sell it piece by piece, or we can call my buddy Ed and talk with him about possibly a better option for you. Ongoing businesses, you know, especially if you don't have anyone to pass it on to or family that wants to buy it or some people don't think about that. They think, well, I'm done. So let's just sell sell the company off, you know, piece by piece. It's not always the best option.
0: So I show up and you do a, an equipment appraisal? What's that process like?
1: Typically, unless we're doing it for a bank, if we're talking strictly from the business owner standpoint, I'd ask them why they need why they want an appraisal. Well, because I want to know what 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 every piece is worth. Okay, but you want to go to auction with it? Yes. My appraisal is going to look different than an au- than auction results, and that's because not every piece is the same. Not all timing is the same. You can sell it in one city and fifty miles away, sell it in a different city, and it'll bring a completely different amount of money. Do you sell it in spring? It might be different than fall. So my my appraisal to you, which you, you're going to pay for, <laughs> is just an additional expense. Whereas Typically, we we will go in and we'll give you a range. You're not paying for the appraisal. We'll give you a range that we think reasonably that these assets will bring in the current market at auction. That's something that we do. We do that internally, whether you ask for it or not, because that tells me how much I'm going to spend to advertise it, because I'm going to spend more on a million-dollar job than I am on a $200,000 job. You got to get to more people. If there's five thousand assets, I'm going to spend more to advertise it than if there's five hundred assets. It's all a numbers game.
0: So, is there retainers. How does that work? Do I pay you five thousand dollars to to get me started, or is it everything bet on the or is everything based on the proceeds from the sale?
1: The way we work is unless we are selling one piece and it has a reserve. Say I'm selling a manufacturing plant, just the real estate, and you need $500,000 out of it or you can't sell it. I'm going to ask you to pay the advertising up front because at the end of the day, if your property is only worth $400,000 and you won't take anything less than five, now I have to try and fight you to get my advertising money. As long as I did my job and we brought people and the highest offer was less than you accepted, I still want to make sure that I at least get my, my advertising funds back out of it. But no, on a, on a daily basis, if I'm coming in to liquidate your company, you know, I know there's going to be enough money there to cover all the expenses. We will forward all that money. So you don't have to come out of pocket anything, but your time to show me around and look at my contract.
0: Got it. Our listeners are across the country. Actually they're across the world. How do you find somebody like you? I mean, I, you guys are on on our short list just because I've known you guys for thirty years. If I'm in another part, I'm in California. How do I identify a a, a good auctioneer and an appraiser?
1: Well, a lot of it comes from Google, or you ask your banker, see who 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 your banker, you know, your your bank in general, who who they use, and what part of the country. But usually, you know, you get on. You do auctioneers of this sort of equipment, and our name's out there for everything from from woodworking to yellow iron to you know, restaurants. It, it's just the history of all the auctions that we've done. Is is there an association? The National Auctioneers Association, the NAA, which we are members of. Every state has its own association, so we're in, we're members from in Indiana and in Florida. If you're in California and you have let, let's say you own like a, an FBO, you know, or you have four airplanes that you rent out, and you have a maintenance shop and you you're looking to sell it, you're looking for an auctioneer. Well, I guarantee if you get on Google out in California and you type in aircraft auctioneers, our name will pop up because of all the all the advertising that sits out there on the web even 10 years after we do a sale. And you'll find it and you'll go, oh, well, they did a job in Iowa. They're based out of Indianapolis. Maybe I'll call them and see if they, if they work in California.
0: Got it. There's no uh, geographic restraint for you guys. You guys can, can go anywhere?
1: The way I put it is we will do anything east of the Mississippi unless it's worth enough for you to bring me out. We've done jobs in California. We've done jobs down in Texas, Iowa. We, we will work anywhere. And a lot of our bankers will run us everywhere. You know, we work for banks out of Chicago that do work in Arizona. They'll send us down there just because they know us, they trust us, and they don't have to go find somebody and not know what they're going to get out of it.
0: Yeah, I get it. I guess the world of of this service is evolving too. I mean, you, you've alluded to it on uh, several times throughout this visit, you know, so much more of your of your service is done online. Is that helping values or I mean what does it look like from, from your standpoint? Is that a, a better scenario that you're able to do it online other than convenience for the bidders and the and you or is the business owner maximizing their value out of their equipment by virtue of this online presence?
1: Yes. In almost in almost every case, yeah. Um, as I as I said, so we're doing a sale in Indianapolis. Now, if I do it only live, that means whoever's going to come do it has to travel. If you're close enough and you can travel that morning and go home that night, it might not be a big deal for you. If you're 500 miles away and you have to come, stay overnight, go to the auction, stay overnight, and then go home, you're probably going to be less inclined to participate. Now, as, as, as I said earlier, if we're doing it live and online, you have the option to drive 500 miles come to the auction, or you can sit at your desk and listen to the auction, watch what, what people are bidding on, what they're bidding and bid right along with them. So I would say in almost every scenario, having an online presence is beneficial.
0: I know we're, we're uh, we're getting ready to bump up against time, but going to auction implies failure. I don't necessarily think that, but, but it, it does that, you know, I'm liquidating my company I mean, how do you offset that? I mean, what, what's your perception? Again,
1: back, back to what I was saying earlier, it depends on the, on the scenario. Sometimes it is the last, sometimes it is the last-ditch ditch option. You know, maybe you've been trying to sell your company for three years and you haven't gotten one bite on it and you're in poor health and you, you have to do something with it. Maybe the auction is the last-ditch effort for you. But I would say in the grand scheme of things, an auction is a way... As long as you are working with a professional company and people who know what they are doing is actually a way to turn your equipment, your machinery into the top dollars through competition, as opposed to just throwing your, your pieces of equipment out there on Craigslist and only people who are searching for that exact piece may come across your listing at an auction, we are blasting nationwide. We are going—you know—we we sell a lot to Mexico and Canada. Um, so your audience at an auction, as opposed to just selling it off piece by piece by yourself, is much larger. It will create much more competition. And at the end of the day, when you have 150 people bidding on your equipment, you can rest assured that that number that it stopped at was the most that these people were going to pay for. It, and that is market value.
0: I always ask every guest at the, as the last question. So from your perspective, what is the one piece of advice that you would give our listeners to that would have the most immediate impact on their business? You mean I'm them avoiding having to see me knock on their door? <laughs>
1: yeah. Um, I,
0: I, I think I, I, I have an answer for you, but, but go ahead.
1: I would, I would say off the top of my head, the quickest thing would be take out the trash. I've walked into hundreds and hundreds of, of manufacturing plants, woodworking, metalworking, you know, bronze, brass, copper, and they have stuff that has been sitting there, work in progress from a, a client that they lost 15 years ago, and they still have 10, 20,000 square feet of stuff that will never get used it is scrap metal, it is taking up space. These same companies usually have five of them the same machine. They run two at a time. And instead of changing out the tools, they just go use the other two machines half the time. So now you're wasting space. And we all know that that real estate is not cheap. You, are, you have idle equipment that if you don't use it for six months and don't take care of it, it's devaluing. And you're sitting on cash. You're sitting on on things that you're not using, or you may use once a year, that they, they, have, they have value to you in cash more than sitting on your, your shop floor collecting dust and just depreciating. Um, same thing with trash and garbage. I, we've all seen it. You walk through a plant, there's 20,000 square foot of just scrap iron. It sits around, it collects dust, it gets dingy. You can always tell those plants. Your employees are walking by this stuff day in, day out, year after year going, why do I work in this filth hole? <laughs>
0: yeah, no, no, I get it. Well, what I thought you were going to say is that, you know what, you can maximize your value out of your equipment by just maintaining it. That, you know, the there's a reason why you do preventative maintenance. And this is one of the reasons. If, in fact, you end up having to call Matt, you're going to get a premium for for that piece of equipment because it's it it's in better shape, right? And and you know, Ed, that that is definitely
1: something that I thought about saying. But <laughs> but at the end of, at the end of the at the end of the day, when you get down to the time where you need to see me, or your bank's telling you to call me, it's because you're you're already on your way down, and the first thing to go is maintenance.
0: Yeah. No, you're right. That makes sense. <laughs> to- that No, that totally makes sense.
1: <laughs> Your employees have to get paid. You have to get paid. The lights have to stay on. So the first thing to go is maintenance. And when that piece of equipment dies and becomes scrap, it is what it is. And, you know, a lot of times that's something they, they can't control. Yeah, I get it. So
0: what's the best way we can connect with you?
1: Well, you can always uh, just check out our webpage, uh, com, or call our office, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, any which way you can get a hold of me. You can call my cell phone day or night.
0: I Got it. Well, we, we will have your all of your contact information, all of your social sites in the show notes. So I appreciate it. I am so grateful for our time. And because I I do think this is a viable exit strategy and and an option that business owners need to understand in in the, the evaluation of next steps for them, whatever that may be, especially in the environment we've got going right now that, you know, this may this may be a real important way to 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 get liquidity. So I, I'm really appreciative of your time. And I appreciate you being such a defender of business value.
1: Matt, it's been great. It's been fun. And if you ever need anything, feel free to reach
0: out. All right, Matt. Thanks so much. Uh, tell the old man I said hello. <laughs> that I will. All right, buddy. Thanks again for your time.
1: This was another episode of the Defenders of Business Value podcast. For more episodes packed with strategies to increase the value of your business, visit DefendersOfBusinessValue.com for show notes, transcripts, and free tools to start you on your journey. Subscribe now so you don't miss any future episodes.